Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Seen It All, where we break down this week's biggest movie and TV news. New movie of the week, No Hard Feelings, Jennifer Lawrence's raunchy R-rated rom-com. And I did a full review of this that is up on the podcast feed and the YouTube channel. But I just want to give for the Seen It All listeners, the weekly listeners, just a brief review. Not as in-depth as I did previously, but just a brief review of the of the movie. Overall, it delivers what the trailer promises. A funny, funny time with the movies. I laughed hysterically at a couple points. It did what a comedy should do, and that's make the audience laugh. That is the ultimate goal of a comedy, is to make the people laugh that are viewing it. It doesn't have to tell the best story. It doesn't have to have the best characters or most thrilling plot line. It just has to make you laugh, and this movie made me laugh. I was nervous going into it. That was an awesome, awesome trailer that they put out. That I I watched the first trailer, then I didn't watch any other trailers because that first one was so good. I was like, okay, I'm already set to see this. And thankfully, it lived up to those amazing jokes. I thought sometimes comedies, they blow their load by putting all the best jokes in the trailer. So when you get to the movie theater, oh, none of it's as funny as it was in the trailer. Um, I didn't really care about the story. As I said, comedy, the stories don't really matter. But here, I feel like it could have had a better story to build on top of. Like, it's a very, very simple story, and I could predict exactly where it was going. It had familiar character beats. Like I said with Elemental, Elemental I felt like built on those on those simple story beats to where it rose above. It's very simple story here. Very simple story at the beginning. For, say the first 20 minutes, I could predict exactly where this ending was going from the start, and which that I didn't love. And I feel like comedies, when they have, when they have that amazing story and they have all those great laughs, that's when you get a truly iconic comedy like Anchorman or Bridesmaids or stuff this isn't that it's just one that will make you laugh a ton even if its story isn't the best which I mean it doesn't really need to be but if you want an all-time comedy you're gonna have to have a pretty good story my favorite jokes though were the beach scene let me just say that the beach scene they went somewhere I did not think they were gonna go and then the party scene where she where they go to a like a high school party it was it was so funny I was laughing so hard Jennifer Lawrence she carries this movie on her back and it's all the success of this film is going to have to do with her. She probably got paid $20 million for this film, and she 100% deserved it. She was just great. And I love seeing her in a role like this, and I hope she continues to do it more. I've missed Jennifer Lawrence. I'm glad she's back. I loved her in Don't Look Up, and that's about all she's done since she's come back. I think she might have done one other film, but that's about what all she's done since she took a break from acting. I'm glad she's back. I want another Hunger Games movie with her. I'm just, oh, I love Jennifer Lawrence, and I'm so glad she's back to acting, and I love this project that she chose. Supporting cast is a little bit... Not as when you think of those great comedies, you think, oh my god, you think of the main character, and then you think of all the amazing supporting cast members that get you laughing. Here, not so much. The her co-star Andrew Fieldman plays the character. Uh, his name's I think Percy. Yeah, Percy. He's fine. He keeps up with Jennifer Lawrence, but I think this was one of his first movies. Nothing too standout-ish. Made me laugh a couple of times, but nothing over the top and nothing amazing like Jennifer Lawrence does. Uh, Matthew Broderick play, and his wife, they play... I'm not sure who that actress' name is, but they play Percy's parents. They were pretty funny. They were in it. They used them a lot to market at the film, and they weren't in the movie as much as I thought they would be, so that was kind of a letdown, but their scenes were fine. Nothing, as I said, nothing spectacular. Other than their they're drinking bodes of wine and my mother said she was craving white wine so all you moms out there make sure you bring sneak some white wine some red wine in with you to this movie uh maddie has two friends they're a couple they have some funny jokes and they have a good resolution towards the end but nothing outstandish as i said my favorite parts comedy wise were they beach scene in the in the house party scene it kind of the comedy kind of peaks in the middle it has one really good joke at the end but it kind of peaks in the middle which sucks but 
those scenes were just so good. I would not have cut them out. They were just, they were amazing. This is definitely the best comedy of the year so far, which isn't saying much because we haven't really had any true comedies this year. Probably the other funniest movie this year was Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. And that wasn't per se a comedy, but I love that film. Watch that film if you haven't, please. But this is definitely the best comedy of the year. We need more comedies, please. I, I miss, I miss our raunchy comedies and we're getting one next year with joy next month with joyride and that supposedly is really good coming out of cinemacon they screened it there everybody said they were dying laughing very raunchy film and i'm very excited to see that movie so i'm glad we're glad we're getting more comedies it's a much needed prospect um financial prospects it's not looking so hot as i said they probably they gave jennifer lawrence about 20 million dollars and that's a lot of money i think the reported budget was 45 million and right now it's tracking as I'll talk about it in a second, but it just it doesn't look the best at this moment. Um, so overall, let me grab my handy dandy John Wick popcorn bucket. We're sitting right above here. We use that for no hard feelings. Another R-rated film, and the popcorn bucket turned up. Don't buy a large popcorn. The popcorn bucket is not filled up all the way, but it is turned up. Comedy subjective. Make sure you if you laugh at the trailer, like I laughed at the trailer, you're going to laugh at this movie. But if you don't like the trailer, if those jokes don't work for you, this movie is not going to be it for you. I say if you're just going maybe to a movie once a month, I'd probably wait for this one for streaming and go see Spider-Verse or Elemental. Probably Spider-Verse. That's probably my one recommendation for this month. But this is a really funny... If you want a good laugh, this is the movie. And this is the movie we need for a long time just to go to the movies and laugh with a crowd. And the, the crowd I went with was sold out, so that made it even better. <laughs> if, I was worried it wasn't going to live that trailer said, but it did. It may not have surpassed it, but I had a fun time in the movies. As I said, not one of my favorites, but a comedy that I will turn on again sometime in the future. But now for box office predictions. The Rotten Tomatoes score is not hot. It's about 60%, but the audience score is very high. I think with I've looked at when I've watched old raunchy rom-coms and comedies like Anchorman and stuff like that, the Rotten Tomatoes scores are always in like the mid-50s to 60s, which I just I just don't understand. I just don't think critics, movie critics per se, get comedies, like R-rated comedies and stuff. So I I do I wouldn't look at the Rotten Tomato score for this film. If it's you're going there to make you laugh, and if this movie makes you laugh, then it succeeded because that's what it's trying to do. So I don't think many people look at that. But right now, the box office is predicted to come at 12 million, and as I said, Jennifer Lawrence got paid 20 million. The budget is about 45 million, so it's hopefully it'll have legs. I think this could explode on streaming, but it's not looking too good right now. I don't think it's going to open that big. Um, the marketing I think was pretty good. So I don't. Jennifer Lawrence is only the real draw here, and hasn't been in big movies recently. As I said, she took a break. Um, word of mouth should be good. Should have legs. We'll explode on streaming, not winning the weekend with all the other competition. But speaking of all that other competition is the flash, the flash opened last week. I want to talk about that box office performance of the flash and it opened to 55 million for the three day and 62 million for the four day holiday. That is really, really bad. It was predicted. It was predicted to come in and open with, I think 70 to 80 million. And worldwide, about 150, 160. And it severely, severely underperformed. It got a B cinema score, which is just awful. I wasn't even expecting that. I know, as I said, I was mixed, but I was really more positive. You don't really see a B cinema score for these big blockbuster films unless they're really, really, unless the audience really does not like them. This is on par with Batman versus Superman. The lowest you want to see, and the lowest cinema score you want to see is a B plus which is what like Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness got, what Thor Love and Thunder got, what a lot of those Eternals, that's what that got. A lot of the more mixed reactions to those films doesn't have the best legs, probably will fall high 60s, but this is even worse than that. This is Batman CB Superman. This is Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumita. We could be seeing a near 70% drop in the second weekend, and we already see its legs throughout the week 
are being very rough. The legs throughout the weekend were already rough. Beginning of the weekend, it thought they could hit 80 million, as I said, with those. We got the, on Friday, they posted the Thursday night previews, and those were looking ahead of Black Adam, but this fell way behind Black Adam's total. Uh, that went on, Black Adam was 67.9 million, and that went on to make about 390 million. This is not, it's probably going to be early 300s, is what it's going to end up being. It had a $220 million budget, and it was revealed that it had $150 million in advertising spend. This movie is going to lose so much money, and I want to break down the reasons why this movie is losing so much money. Ezra Miller, number one, Ezra Miller. As I said, I have put out a lot of bad juju about this dude, about this person, and I think this hurt it more than people may think. Not many people knew about him. As you may think, I don't think it's like a ton, because I've had to tell people like, oh, you didn't know about this? But you have people like me spreading the word and just really tainted the movie going experience that they did not say what is up to the fate of him. I think this is going to show Disney that they need to say, well, we have the Jonathan Majors case in the fall, in the August, I think. And they're going to have to say their feelings on them before the project comes out. They're going to have to see the verdict and they're going to have to make a decision. They should have made the decision to say we will not be working with Ezra Miller forward in the future. But this film was filmed before all those all of his transgressions. So we will be moving forward with the film. But we are not supporting Ezra Miller's actions and will not be paying them in the future. They needed to say something like that. Although there probably won't be around in the future because of the box office performance of this film, but they should have said something before going into this film. Uh, there's also the gun new DC announcements. Uh, they, they announced that they're just starting the whole plate scene, although somewhat starting the whole plate scene, not, not necessarily, but that doesn't help that they're like, Oh, there's movies have no point now. Cause we're not going to see these characters again, which I don't fully agree with. Cause you go, you won't see the, like the Godfather or that's a bad example. Let's see, what's a movie that didn't get a sequel that I love? Like, No Hard Feelings, you're not going to that to see the setup for the future of the sequel. But I don't know, that's not necessarily the same thing with superhero films, because they go for a bigger universe. But I don't think the gun DC announcement helped. There were so many early fan screenings, as I said, I saw it early. There were so many screenings that people went to for free. And they had the CinemaCon presentation back in April, and they kind of blew their load with the overhype. And then, as I said, the overhype, they got like every celebrity to say it was the best comic book film of all time when it isn't. And they got the audiences specifically fans all pumped up like oh my gosh i can't wait to see if this movie is one of the greatest of all time and it's not so they come out disappointed and that doesn't help either and then there's bad vfx that leaked online that they had fans already turning on before it showed up they had like resurrecting dead actors with cgi and that didn't help either that spread more controversy and they just they made a lot of lot of really bad decision um another reason competition as i said we have spider-man across spiders we have elemental flash transformers rise of the beast Still got Little Mermaid. Still Gardens of the Galaxy competing. There's just so many films out right now. So many big films that they can't all compete when they all have 200 to $300 million budgets. But the biggest reason is this audience has lost interest in the DCU completely. It's just, it's sad. We had, you haven't, every single, every single DCU movie since Aquaman has likely lost money. You had Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman 1984, The Suicide Squad, Black Adam, Shazam 2, Flash. There's probably another one I'm missing in there, but they have lost so much money because they this audiences aren't interested in it. You should just start clean. Um, last week, as I said, I said that, but all the movies since Aquaman in 2018, as I said, will most likely lose money. But Aquaman is the only, if you take into account the top 10 MCU box office performance films, all of them are in the Billion Dollar Club. And the only DCU film that would make that list is Aquaman at number nine. That is insane how much better the MCU has been doing against the DCU. It's just nobody cares about these characters anymore because you've tarnished the brand so much. James Gunn, I hope this inspires you to do a full reboot across the board. Don't keep anybody. Don't keep Peacemaker. Don't keep Amanda Waller. Don't keep Harley Quinn. Even though how much I love them, I'd love to see Supergirl stay around. But no, you just got to start over. Rip that bandaid off. 
say sorry, but I need to move forward to set up my new future, and we need to start over so the audience doesn't have any remembrance of this past failure of the universe. Yes, this, this universe failed. It felt flat on its face. It's just not good. It's not good at all. Ugh. And then elemental-wise, oh wait, no, I still got some more Flash news. Uh, there was also came out that the Flash endings, there was, uh, there was this movie was just so screwed up that they had so many different endings planned. The first ending and the original plan Back when Walter Hamada was in charge of the DC Universe before he got shoved out with all that drama, Sasha Kaye and Michael Keaton's Batman were supposed to be at the courthouse at the end of the movie. Then, the second ending that was came on when Dwayne Johnson came back and brought Henry Cavill back into the fold for the end of Black Adam post credit scene, they filmed and the ending of the movie with Sasha Kaye's Supergirl, Michael Keaton's Batman, Henry Cavill's Superman, and Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman at the courthouse. And then the third ending is the one that we got, and I don't want to spoil that, but that's the one we got, and it's, it's not as good as those other two. I think two would have been the best. It would have been a proper send off to the DCU. We could have said goodbye to this. And the, <laughs> the one we have now is just pointless. It just, it was like a fun gag, but it just, it, they could, this movie could have closed the DCU chapter. We still have Aquaman two and blue beetle to go. James Gunn just recently said that blue, blue beetle is the first DCU character, but not the first DCU movie. And it's just, Oh my God, just start over. Stop carrying around. Just stop carrying around any of this stuff. Who knows what's going to happen to Jason Momoa. He might be still playing Aquaman. He might be playing Lobo. It's just, the GC universe is such a mess and it makes me so sad because this all sucks. Just start over, start over. Let's not keep any of this stuff. Let's start over. And if we're going to be canceling movies, how about we cancel flash and not Batgirl? You you canceled the movie Batgirl that had Leslie Grace. It had Brennan Fraser. And no matter how bad it was, you can still put it out. They put Morbius out for God's sake. I understand tarnishing the brand, but I think black Adam Shazam two and flash did all the tarnishing you need. It's just, this is total karma, though, that David Zaslav canceled Batgirl to put this out and this movie's flopping. They're going to lose so much money on this film that they would have probably not lost if they just canceled it. Quite ironic, and it just makes me sad they should have kept Batgirl around. And then they they came out, they showed off a behind-the-scenes look with Keaton, Michael Keaton's Batman, who was going to be in Batgirl. He looked great! Uh, it would have built off either those first two endings of The Flash, probably the first or second one. It would have worked with the current version we have, but it's just, it's just absolutely certain they never released that film and just makes me sad. Uh, as I said, we need a full reboot for the DCU. They're screen testing for Superman and Lois right now. James Gunn was trying to distract everybody from the flash flopping, so we put out the test screenings went well. So, ugh, just, audience has not been interested. Uh, Superman Legacy has to be great so the general audience is back on board, but having him fight the authority and making an authority, authority movie, characters I had not heard of until James Gunn announced they were making a movie of them. Not the right step in the direction. It's just, uh, it's just sad. I really hope James Gunn can rebound this, start over. I don't want to be in the same high pole for the same mess for another decade to come like let's just <laughs> enough enough with all this dc awfulness okay and then in more sad news i want to shift to the elemental box office you know i love this film it opened to 29.5 million for the three day but held pretty well for the four day only making i think a hundred thousand less than the flash on monday which was absolutely absurd <laughs> i mean that's not good for either of the films but it's it's second worst opening for pixar only ahead of the first Toy Story, but only ahead by a couple hundred thousand. So it's really bad. It's even under Good Dinosaur, which is which was a flop, and it's under Lightyear last year, which was a flop. And it's, at least it has an A cinema score, which means audiences are loving this film. If you have an A or A plus, that is amazing. A plus is like really astounding. I think only like ten films a year get it or something. It's very exclusive, and this was A cinema score, so that's pretty good. I saw it again. And I really enjoyed my second time seeing it. Just we were in the we were the only people in the theater too, which was kind of sad, but also fun. But go out and see this movie, and I think audience might. Uh, it's 
I think it's going to have legs with this word of mouth we're getting. And it's performing very well in the weekdays. Right now, it and Spider-Verse are ruling the top, and Flash is number third, even though that was the biggest movie of the week. It's just it's a total mess. It's so funny. Um, I think it's probably going to explode on streaming, though, along with No Hard Feelings, which is the main problem why this film is not doing well. Pixar, <laughs> Bob Chapek sent three Pixar movies to Disney+. He sent Soul, he sent Luca, and he sent Turning Red. He didn't even give them the luxury of debuting day and date on the streaming service like he did with Raya and the Last Dragon, which is a Walt Disney Pictures. <sighs> Bob Chapek, he is an awful person and a really bad businessman because of, oh, she's just not the best. It trained audiences to stay home, and Pete Docter even acknowledged that. He's like, we trained audiences not to expect Pixar to be theatrical releases. Lightyear was bad, and that was the first film back for Pixar in the theaters, and that hurt the brand even more. They need to recover, and Elio is the next one coming out. That doesn't look like it's going to perform that well. I may have laughed really hard at the trailer, and I enjoyed it, but it doesn't seem like it's going to appeal to that mass audience and to children like your Pixar films used to. It's just not being the best creative choices. I think Inside Out 2, though, will make a lot of money, which... Which sucks because it's a sequel. They're not people aren't seeing original movies, but Inside Out Two will make them see it. Along with they also announced they're making a Disney Plus series for Inside Out, so that's cool. And that just goes to show why they announced Toy Story Five. Pete Doctor said there will be more sequels because no one has seen original Pixar films. Also, the marketing of Elementals was just they marketed it as a Zootopia's ripoff, and not they didn't they should have focused on the love story and the immigrant the immigrant messaging because I feel like it could, that's a very unique film when you look at it with the not the story basic structure but you have the immigrant story you have the love story all in this beautiful animation they could have marketed this so much better nobody knew what this movie was about everybody thought it was a zootopia ripoff as i said they could have done so much better if it was accurately advertised use more funny use more funny moments from the movie to attract kids uh they also should have they also should have advertised the the upshort in front of it well i don't understand why they didn't advertise carl dates at all they should have uh future pixar Sequel, sequel, sequels with an original movie every five years or so because they just don't make money. But I implore everybody, please go see this film. Please. Another film that is doing bad. Man, we're talking about a lot of flops. Transformers Rise of the Beast. It fell 67% in the second weekend to 20 million. And worldwide, the film hasn't even hit 300 million. It's like the mid 200 million right now. It will probably end with around 400 million. It is going to lose money as it costs $200 million. Uh, the movie just wasn't that good. And they shouldn't have started... <sighs> It's just, uh, this way they're running the universes, I don't understand. They need better business people and people that are in love with this stuff. It's just, oh, it's just so awfully run. The movie just wasn't that good, as I said. Hopefully the mic didn't pick up on that. Someone just decided to go really fast outside of my house. So, hopefully the mic didn't pick up on that. Sorry for interrupting my train of thought, but I said, um, audience reactions towards Transformers hasn't been good. You have the competition, as just as I said with The Flash, with all these big budget films competing with another, not one another. If the movie was good, it would have legs like Bumblebee. It opened really low, Bumblebee did, and it went on to make a high $400 million range. Bumblebee will make more than Rise of the Beast, as it's predicted for right now. It, it will most likely make more than Rise of the Beast. They should have brought Travis Knight back and just made Bumblebee 2. I guarantee you that movie would have made more money than this, and they would have kept the budget to $100 million, like the first Bumblebee. The budgets are just too high for this film. So you have Fast X, which cost $340 million. Little Mermaid, which cost $250 million. Transformers was cost 200 million. Flash, 220 million. Elemental, 200 million. Indy 5, 300 million. It's absolutely absurd. They just announced that the next Disney animated feature, Wish, would cost 200 million dollars, which we probably thought it would, but it's still insane. Why are we spending so much money on these films? Spider Verse cost 100 million dollars to make. That movie was beautiful and it's also profitable. It doesn't have to make eight, 600 million dollars to, to make a profit. It's just, and Mario, Super Mario Brothers cost 100 million dollars and it made 1.3 billion. 
it's just absurd how much money we're spending. I think they should cap these off at 150 million. You don't need to spend that much money to make these movies. <laughs> at least just uh it just makes me angry. Make an animated film if you're gonna spend that much money. Although don't make a Disney animated film because those cost 200 million dollars. Um and they announced last week that they're gonna make a sequel to Rise of the Beast, and I honestly don't see them greenlighting the sequel with this performance. Uh, I didn't want that sequel. I think they need to give it a break. And I think they need to focus on the animated film that's coming out next year. Maybe that can be the future of the franchise because it doesn't cost as much. And you can just make make the Transformers the main characters in this film. You don't have to have any humans in there. Just make Transformers like the animated film from the 80s. This could be the future of the franchise. I think they need to take a break from live action. Unless they're keeping in the budgets at $100 million and doing more character pieces like Bumblebee. Because that was great. It's just... Ugh. Let the universe rest a bit. Audiences just aren't interested. But after talking about those three flops in a row, I want to talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse as it continues to hold well. It made almost the same amount as Elemental did in its opening weekend versus its third weekend. And on Wednesday, it made more money than Flash and Elemental on Wednesday. <laughs> um, this film is just picking loads of money, and I think Elemental and, it and Elemental are going to be fighting for the top of the next weekend because Flash is going to fall hard. I think Elemental can hold well, and I think Spider-Man will hold well, so... We'll see who's at the top next weekend, but sticking, sticking with the Spider-Man news, I want to talk about the Craven trailer that dropped. Well, actually, no. I want to give a background. As you know, you've heard, you've probably heard my opinions on the Sony Spider-Man universe. Venom 1 and 2, I think, are awful. Morbius, I think, is another level of awful. I think it was one of the worst, one of the worst films of all time. It was, it was just truly awful, but it was so awful, it was kind of fun, so. And then you have Madam Web coming up. Does not sound good either. Why are we making villains? All of those characters are villains to Spider-Man, but we're making them anti-heroes, and there's no Spider-Man for them to bounce off of. It's just, oh, it's just so, such stupid direction, but now the Kraven. Kraven, they're making an anti-hero. They're not making him a villain. It gave me severe Morbius vibes, this trailer did, but I want to talk about the positives first. Let's, let's just talk about the positives first, first of all. It has an amazing cast. They got Russell Crowe to be in this, although he's been in a lot of crap movies. <laughs> Russell Crowe's in this. Aaron Taylor Johnson, who I love in Bullet Train and Quicksilver, Godzilla. He's great, kick-ass. Um, and then Ariana DeBose, who just won an Oscar for West Side Story. She was amazing in that film. So it's got a really, really good cast. So that's one positive. Um, also, the final look of Craven with the fur coat around the shirtless bod. That looks really good. It looks very comic accurate. That's what they use on the poster with him sitting in his chair like Dwayne Johnson on the as Black Adam on his throne and Black Panther on his throne. Everybody likes to sit on their thrones. But Craven looks really cool with his final look and very, very comic accurate. Maybe he will be a villain to end off the movie, an actual villain, not like Morbius where he says, I'm looking for Spider-Man, but you were never a villain in the movie to begin with. And then also, the last positive I have is that they Sony let this film be R-rated. They wouldn't let a vampire movie starring Jared Leto be R-rated. Um, there was no blood in a vampire movie, and thank God they let this be an R-rated film. But that is all the positives I have. Now I want to get to my negatives. First of all, he gets bit by a radioactive lion. Huh? Like, Spider-Man? Like, you're ripping off Spider-Man? Like, that's what they did with Morbius. I don't know if Morbius. I don't remember what happened with Morbius. It was so bad. But why are we making him... What the heck is this? He gets bit by a lion, blood drips into his into his veins, and he turns into some super mega hero. He's an anti-hero. Also, and is fighting his dad, who is basically the villain Craven from the comics. They made his dad the actual villain Craven. The action just looks really boring and very Morbius-like. And especially when you see him jumping on the walls and stuff, I'm like, it's just Morbius. It's just Morbius all over again. And it just looks very cheap. And there's some scenes in the snow and it looks, it's just not the best. CGI looks bad with the lion. The lion looks really awful. And some of the stuff does look cool, though, with him, 
like killing somebody with a bear trap. That looked cool, but also very CGI-ish. So it's ugh, just not good. Just does not look good to me whatsoever. I don't want to see this movie. Please stop Sony. Someone stop Sony. Give the reins to Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the guys who made Spider-Verse. They could make some excellent stuff. I think they could run your Spider-Man universe, Sony, but not Amy Pascal. Please don't. <laughs> but the one big, big positive of this whole thing is we have another Morbius meme on our hand, and I would thank the movie for that. Please, like, they, people are just starting to joke about it. It's Cravening time, and it's going to make Cravillion dollars or something, and I really hope, I hope this movie's good. I mean, I hope every movie's good, but if it's not good, but if it's not, which is probably not going to be, I hope it's so bad it's good. Please don't just be, like, middling in the road. Please just be so bad it's so good. Please. That's what I want, and I want more memes, and I want all that. So if we get that, then I'll be happy. Let the Sony live-action Spider-Man films without Spider-Man please be better and better stories with actually good characters that are what they are like in the comics. Don't name a movie, make a villain, make a movie about a villain and then make the villain not a villain. They've done this like four times now and I'm just, it's getting on my nerves. It's just absolutely absurd this way this universe is run. But they are taking the right steps. El Muerto, the rest Spider-Man villain that's a wrestler with starring Bad Bunny that was announced back in January, back at last in, like CinemaCon 2022, that has been delayed indefinitely. And which means it is most likely canceled. And thank God, because that movie just sounds awful. And then you have, they had Donald Glover's film with the hip, hip, hypnotic hustler, something like that. That didn't sound really good either. And I'm glad that those movies seems like that one's canceled too. So at least they're, they're taking the right steps. They're taking the right steps. Um, now I want to move on to my secret invasion, secret invasion review. And it dropped and I actually, this is the first time in a while, I waited until, I waited until I woke up in the morning. I didn't wake up at two in the morning to watch this show. My favorite Marvel shows, just a little background, are WandaVision and Loki. Those are my favorites. Bad ones, I think Moon Knight and She-Hulk weren't the best. And then middle of the road, I think Miss Marvel, Hawkeye, Falcon War Soldier, which I'll rewatch every now and then, but not my favorites. Uh, I just hate the 3 a.m. drop times because it really screws up everything. And it makes spoilers for the show i can't get on my phone it's much easier when you're watching at eight o'clock just to sit and watch at eight o'clock and where you time it well everybody's watching together not at three in the morning it's so stupid why don't why don't they do this and it throws off my whole sleep schedule for the rest of the day and then you wake up and you can't touch your phone because you got to watch it or you get spoiled if you come on your phone it's just it's just not a good system disney plus please fix it hbo max is doing at least something right is that they are dropping their shows at eight o'clock on a Sunday night. It's perfect time. They could have done Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Tuesday, 8 o'clock. Not Wednesday morning at 2 a.m. It's just ridiculous. But all that to say, I didn't like this first episode. Um, let's talk about positives first, like I did with Craven. But Olivia Coleman, she was awesome. She was a mainstay now. I love that she's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, she has, I think, one or two Oscars on her mantle. So she is a great actress. And she delivers here. I love her joke. She only has, like, one or two scenes. But she was great in it. And I love her perky attitude. And I think she's going to be great in the future as a kind of adversary for Nick Fury. Um, there was actual stakes for our characters, though. I thought I was, I mean, they do do some stuff to characters that I was not expecting, but it feels like every chance somebody could die. And I really like that for a Marvel project when you don't usually feel that. Ben Middleton as Talos, there's lots of secrets with him and his family. He could not kill anyone. Like he's very, he can't, he can't pull the trigger and that's part of his character arc. And that was, that's a huge part of his journey. But I like that. I liked what they're taking, what they're doing with his character and how his people betrayed him and stuff like that. That was very, very interesting. But for my negatives, it is a very, very cheap show. They should have done the scrolls right. It's just not good. And you can tell the makeup doesn't look the best for the scrolls either. It's just, it should have been an Avengers level threat, not just one for our ground heroes. In the comic, it, in the comic, they have big major players going out. And then they also say 
that everybody thinks they're dead if they're being taken over by a scroll, that the scrolls probably kill them. But here they even they already revealed the secret that they're keeping people locked away that are taking the that they're taking the bodies of. It's just it's just so badly how they screwed up the story. And they even told the creators not to read the Secret Invasion comic, which is a great comic, and I don't understand why they didn't make them read it, just have some variants of what they should be doing. It doesn't explain what's going on, even though it thinks it does. It's just very confusing. Nick Fury also just doesn't seem like himself. They keep saying that, like, oh, you're not like yourself since the blip. But that makes Nick Fury very boring when he's not himself, because I love Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury, and he was just, he's doing well here, but just not the best choice I went with for Nick Fury. He's very muted and not very fun to watch, and it just sucks. Uh, Maria Hill, she's very bland in the show, that I thought she would finally give her something more to do. I loved her in the first Avengers. That's still the best time she played this character, and I thought they were going to maybe do delve a little bit deeper than that. I loved her in Spider-Man Far From Home, but nope, we don't get any more with Maria Hill. Nothing nothing very big with her. Uh, Amelia Clark, she honestly feels miscast. I love Daenerys of Game of Thrones. I love Amelia Clark in that show, but she honestly just, she just didn't grab me in this episode. I didn't love the direction they went with for her in her show. Her hair, also, they gave her the same hairstyle as Maria Hill, so they have a fight scene, and it's like, they both look the same, and it's just, they, she didn't grab me, and you kind of, just I just didn't love the direction they went with her. The villains also seem really bland, including the May one, and they're just like a terrorist group. It's not interesting. The show just didn't grab me, and I really wish it would. Also, I do have to rant about this. So they had an AI-themed AI intro to the show, like, you know, the opening credits. AI made it, and that is just absolutely disgusting, and they should remove that immediately because we don't want AI taking away people's jobs in a creative field where it's just copying other people, and it's just truly awful. Disney... Get your crap together. Marvel, get your crap together. This was just not not a good not a good intro. You should never have made that decision. Leave AI in the dust. That's literally what the Riders are, Riders Guild is fighting for right now. Don't you dare. Uh, don't you dare do that to them. It's just, oh, it's just so awful, so gross. Don't support that. No, down with AI in our creative field. Don't do that. Um, it showed that it should have had a much bigger episode. If it had a larger budget to play with, it, this could have been a lot better if we had bigger characters in the show, if we had mainstays in there that actually really mattered for the Avengers and stuff. They could have been great. They should have just made this a movie, like I say, with a lot of six-episode-long shows. That only I'm so tired of it. It's tired of the formula. They can't get it right. Um, they need Loki was good. Loki was like probably the best one, but this isn't a good start. Um, they should have Captain Marvel, too. Now that I think about it, Captain Marvel, a lot of her... Bit, it was Captain Marvel. Ooh, it was Captain Marvel and Nick Fury that got the scrolls where they are today. And Captain Marvel should have been called up immediately when they had a scroll problem. And she didn't. Oh, it just... Hopefully they're saving their budget, big budget for the end of the show. It means we have to suffer through cheap few episodes, so be it. But it's not looking good this year. And then you also have Marvel is skipping Comic-Con. I talked about that too. It sucks, but this is most likely due to the writer's strike and the actor's guild might go on strike. So there's just a lot of reasons. Also, they just delayed a bunch of their stuff. So they don't have a ton of stuff to announce. We're never getting the Fantastic Forecast at this point because everybody thought they were going to announce the Fantastic Forecast at Comic-Con, but that's not going right. But um, they're getting their schedule straight. As I said, they just delayed all those movies. They kind of need a break from Comic-Con to focus on that stuff, but this still sucks. But this does mean good news for DC, who James Gunn will basically have this whole show to himself. Um, their new cast, all their slate of movies for the universe. Kind of a perfect storm. Marvel needs to slow down, and DC really needs a win with Marvel out of the way for once. Um, maybe Marvel can make their own own show like Tadum, which is a Netflix show, or DC Fandom before that got obliterated by an awful show that was just DC Fandom imploded. But uh, Tadum was past week, and they, they, they wrote... They, basically sold it as Avatar Last Airbender first look, and all we got was four stills of the characters looking like what you expect them to look like in a short little graphic teaser. That was it. Very much a letdown. And also their social media was posting stuff 
five minutes before they actually announced it at the event. So there's no point in watching the event because you already had everything. All the information already come to you. It's just very bad. They also announced Lena Hamilton was joining Stranger Things Season 5, which was leaked a week earlier. So just a mess. Just an awful presentation. I want Marvel to do one of their own presentations to just show people this is how you do a presentation, an online presentation, because no one has done really good ones so far. They had LegoCon. There's probably some Lego sets like right there and stuff. They did LegoCon for two years in a row. Those were just awful. It seems like these people just don't know how to make fun live events. But that's it for the Marvel Secret Invasion, Marvel Comic Con, all that talk. But coming next week is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, as I said before, I think all Indiana Jones films are on the same quality level. Yes, even Crystal Skull. I probably rank them my favorite, Temple of Doom. Second favorite is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Third favorite is Kingdom of Crystal Skull. And fourth is Last Crusade. It's just not my Last Crusade isn't my favorite. I love Sean Connery, but it's not my favorite. But they're all pretty equal. But the reactions for this new Indian Jones films are still mixed. They're still in like the high 50s, low 60s. So it's not looking good. Um, I hope I love it. And I hope it's a good goodbye to Harrison Ford's time as Indiana Jones. I keep hitting that stupid thing. I need to move it. But the music, when the music plays in the trailer, the, ra the regular Indiana Jones music, I still get goosebumps. So there's got to, I have some emotional attachment to this character, even though I didn't grow up watching this movie. So hopefully this is the success for Lucasfilm as they badly needed. And I want that James Mangold Star Wars films. I swear, swear if they cancel that film because this film doesn't do well, I would just, oh, uh, I would just be very upset. Just this, oh, uh, I hope this film does well and I hope I enjoy it. And the other movie coming out next week is Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. No one besides my sister has talked about this film. I don't think it's going to be good. The trailers have not looked the best, and DreamWorks seems where DreamWorks is coming off of Puss in Boots to make this. It just seems like a retread of another thousand movies I've seen before. Reviews I don't even think I've lifted yet, so that's not a very good sign. Um, this and Trolls 3 release for DreamWorks this year are just oh, not the best package of films after Puss in Boots last year. So my sister's probably going to make me see this film with her, so I might review it next week, but we'll see. But that'll do it for this week's episode of Seen It All. Did you see No Hard Feelings? Did you laugh a ton like I did? Uh, are you excited about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny or Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken? Who knows? But come back next week for my review of that Indiana Jones film and my continued reviews of Secret Invasion. Also, as you know, we got t-shirts. I got t-shirts and maybe I'll start selling them on here soon once our audience gets big enough. But I got t-shirts now and I'm giving them to some coworkers. We're spreading out the word of Seen It All podcast. But make sure to join me back next week. Thank you all for listening this week. Y'all have a good day now. Bye-bye. <laughs>